WTBN Pinellas Park, W262CP Bayonet Point. Brought to you by Moss Nissan. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. And folks, I've got to just tell you some things very frankly. Today's evangelical church is really blowing their testimony when it comes to this area. The image of the evangelical church today is that of political protesters, arrogant right-wingers who blast and insult and criticize every politician who opposes their views, opposes our views. When we ought to be perceived as model citizens, we're perceived as intolerant and rude, and we want to oust every organization and every politician and everybody who disagrees with us. You know what? That's foreign to the New Testament. That's foreign. It may not be our intention, but when Christians engage in boycotts and other adversarial activities against those with whom we disagree, we make those to whom we should be lovingly reaching out to into our enemies. It can even lead to persecution for the wrong reasons. Welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is leading us in a series of studies about godly living in an ungodly world. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, where he has been serving for over 27 years. If you think our government is hostile to Christianity, and I think it is too, you should have had a taste of what it was like for Paul and Titus and the other first century believers. Yet even then, Paul urged his readers to obey their governments. He wrote to the Romans that the government is a minister of God to us for good. Here's Pastor Steve now to expand on that. Government stands in the place of God, and they act as his ministers. Now, they may not know him personally. They, the uh, government is a servant of God. They are not just public servants. They are called ministers because they minister in his place. They punish evil. They are, you could put it this way, the, the uh, policemen and government leaders are God's deacons in society. That's just what they are. They're God's deacons in society. Uh, but they may not, as I said, they may not know him personally, but they represent him. And verse 4 says that they are ministers of God to you for good. For good. That's to say that government protects us from evil. And this is, this is true in Scripture. That's illustrated in Scripture. Remember Paul in um, what was in danger, the Jewish people were about to kill him in, uh, in Jerusalem. And he said, I appeal to Caesar. I appeal to Caesar. And they couldn't do anything to him. In Acts chapter 19, in Ephesus, the town clerk rescued Paul from a mob ready to kill him. That's, that's an illustration of how this works. Now, let me say this, that government may have its own ideas of what evil might be. Uh, but the design of government is to punish evil as they see it. Uh, for example, they punished Paul as an evildoer, even though Paul in reality was not an evildoer, but in their minds and in their value system, Paul was an evildoer. But the design of government is to punish evil. And it speaks about they, they hold the sword. The sword in the Bible is a symbol of civil authority's power to put people to death because Roman magistrates have their sword at their side. It means that they have the authority to punish people. So why do we submit to the government? Number one, God establish it. Number two, to resist is to resist God. We don't want to resist God. They're not, the government's not just floating out there by themselves. You answer to God on this. And number three, that, that uh, 
that to resist brings not only uh, punishment from, uh, from God, but it brings it through government, through his services, through his servants, rather. There's a fourth reason, and it is morally right to submit to the governments. Notice verse 5, morally right. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. That's a great expression, for conscience' sake. We don't obey the government only because we fear getting punished. I mean, that's a legitimate concern. You ought to be concerned about being punished. Nobody likes to be punished. But we obey the government because our conscience tells us it's morally right. Let me illustrate it this way. You're driving down the street, and you look behind you, and you see a police officer. Once again, there are chuckles. I don't know why that brings chuckles when we speak about speeding and things like that. But anyway, you're driving down, and you know what the first thing you do? You put your foot on the brake, right? You put your foot on the brake. Why do you do that? Well, you ought to do it for two reasons. Number one, reason number one is you don't want to get a ticket. That's, that's because you fear punishment. You don't want to get a ticket. But a better reason than that A better and higher motivation is because God said, obey the government. And the government says, you ought to go this limit in in, in the traffic and uh, on your speedometer. You see, you don't just obey because you're afraid of the consequences. You obey because it's morally right to obey. You have a moral obligation to obey the government. And not not just talking about speeding, but all things. We have a moral obligation to obey God, who says obey the government. And this gets back to Titus chapter 3. So let's return to Titus chapter 3. It gets back to this whole thing, because Paul said that we are to submit to our secular, often anti-Christian governments. But you know what? All citizens know that. You don't need me to tell you that. that you're to, you, you, you know that legally you are subject to the state. You don't, you don't need me to tell you that. And Paul wasn't just telling them that. They knew that. The Cretans knew that. They're part of the Roman Empire. They knew that. Paul is saying something else. Paul is saying, well, you are legally to submit to the government, and everybody knows that. What Paul was doing is saying you are to willingly submit to the government in attitude. It is a conscience moral issue. You have a moral responsibility, not just a legal responsibility. Now, what does it mean to willingly submit to the government? And this is really the heart of all of this. It's 1 Peter 2.17. You don't need to turn there. Just listen. Honor the king. Honor the king. That's what Peter says. You know who was the king at that time? Nero. You know what Paul, what Peter was writing about in 1 Peter? Nero persecuting the Christians. Horrible things that Nero did. I mean, he skinned Christians. He fed them to the lions. Peter says, honor the king. You don't need to turn there, but I want to just read to you Romans 13. You can turn, but I want to read one more time, and I want to read verse 7. Render to all what is due, tax to whom tax is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear. And then he says, honor to whom honor. Paul teaches it. Peter teaches it. Honor the government. What does it mean to honor the government? Respect them, respect them, fear them, have a willing submission to them. You see, our attitude towards the government, whether you agree with the policies or not, is to be one of honor. 
And I would urge you, don't slander government officials. You know, it's, it's in today, it has been for years, to have uh, political jo- or jokes about politicians, and you watch night television, and that's, that's it. Here's what the president said today, and want to make him look like a buffoon, and all those things. That's, that's been going on for years and years. I don't think that's honoring the king. Don't slander government leaders. Be careful about crude jokes about our president, his wife, his family. Don't call policemen derogatory names. I mean, that's how I would apply this stuff. And you know what? Everybody in the world does that. But Paul's point is here to be different. Paul's point is that you have been changed. You were once like this, but now you're different. And if you've done this, and I suspect most of us have, have done this, what I'm, what I'm saying, you can change. You change your behavior. That's, that's what, why we study the Bible, to learn what pleases God and change. If it's a habit, then get a new habit. Now, how do you know if you're really submissive to the government? Let me just tell you one way you know. Look at Titus chapter 3 again, and let's take the verse, verse 1, a step further. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, and then he says to be obedient. Submission, I take it, is the moral attitude we're to have, but obedience is the outward evidence of your submission. If you are really submissive to the government, you'll obey, whether you agree with that law or not. Whether you agree with it or not. Do you obey the government? Do you obey them in all areas, speed limits, jaywalking, paying your taxes honestly, deductions that are honest? Do you do, I mean, God forbid, do you do, you do crimes that, that people in the world do? We're not to do that. That's Paul's point. We're to be different. We're not to see what we can get away with. I'll tell you why people dis- disobey the government, because they think nobody's going to catch me. And you know what? You're probably right. But I'll quote you from the Old Testament, by God seeth you. God sees you. And if the goal of life for a Christian is to please the Lord and honor him, then the issue is not whether you get caught or not. The issue is not whether you can get away with it. The issue is not how fast you can get from one place to another. The issue is, do you please the Lord? And God said to obey the government, you know, I didn't write this stuff. I wish we could go as fast as possible on the streets. I, I hate slowing down. My family doesn't think I hate slowing down. I think I enjoy it to get to them. But I, I, I hate doing that. There are some laws I, I hate obeying, and they don't make sense to me. But God said to obey the government. I, I urge you to change your way, because we are to be the kind, have the kind of testimony that should be crisp, and obedience should be right. Crisp in your obedience, because if you are not obedient in these small matters, you're not going to be obedient in other things. Don't think that you can sort of categorize this from the rest of your Christian life. Well, you know, obedience to the government is just a minor thing. So what if I go 80 miles an hour and it says 55? So what? Yeah, but I'm telling you, if you do that in those areas, you're going to be, not only is that wrong, but you're going to carry that into other areas because you'll have a defiled conscience. Paul said, or, or do it because of conscience sake. Conscience sake. And if you defile your conscience in that area, it's going to be a lot easier in another area to sin. Crisp in your obedience. Now, having said all of this, that living godly in an ungodly society means submitting to our government. We need to ask this question. Why is it so important? What difference does it really make in the long run? Yes, I know I'm to please the Lord. But in reality, in reality, day after day after day here with other people, what difference does it make? 
for that, I'd like you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, and I'm going to tell you what the difference is. And we're going to say some very, very significant things here. 1 Peter chapter 2, as I said before, 1 Peter is all about, in the midst of suffering, how should you respond? In the midst of suffering, Peter was talking, writing to a persecuted people, and watch this. He says, you are a chosen race. I mean, just put your name here, you, and put your name there. Are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You've been changed. Your goal is to proclaim his excellencies. That's what you've been saved for. Then jump down to verse, verses 12 through 15. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. He means the unsaved pagans. So that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, and Christians in that day and age, just as in our day and age, were very, very, uh, people were very suspicious of them, looked down upon them, always wondered why they were meeting secretively and things like that. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, on account of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. As they observe your good behavior, which involves government officials obeying them, some of them are going to be saved. Submit yourselves, he writes, for the Lord's sake, to every human institution, whether to a king or to the one in authority, all forms of, of government, local, federal, or to governors as sent by him for the punishments of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right, and he's talking about obedience to the government, by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. And what he means by that is by silencing it, some will even be attracted to Christ and be saved. How you respond as Christians to your government affects how people in society view Christianity, which has been the whole theme of Titus all along. And folks, I've got to just tell you some things very frankly. Today's evangelical church is really blowing their testimony when it comes to this area. The image of the evangelical church today is that of political protesters, arrogant right-wingers, who blast and insult and criticize every politician who opposes their views, opposes our views. When we ought to be perceived as model citizens, we're perceived as intolerant and rude, and we want to oust every organization and every politician and everybody who disagrees with us. You know what? That's foreign to the New Testament. That's foreign. Why have we become like this? And it is true. If you, if you ask people in the world who are really up on current events and their perception of the evangelical church, what I just told you, whether right or wrong, is that perception. Now, why have we become like this? I think because we have forgotten the role of the church, what the role is and what the calling is. You know what the calling of the church is? It isn't to change society. It isn't to, uh, to, to boycott every organization we disagree with. The role of the church is to change people on the inside by proclaiming the gospel. That's the role of the church. You don't find any of this other stuff in, in the Bible. Jesus never challenged the political system of his day. As corrupt as it was, he never challenged it. He never attempted to oust Caesar. In fact, he said, hey, Caesar's been put in charge. So that's a pilot. He didn't lead a revolt against Rome. He didn't preach against slavery. Was Jesus opposed to slavery? Absolutely. He didn't preach against it, though. It's not that Jesus wasn't concerned about social issues. It's, or Paul. Paul never did any of this other stuff that we in America think that we're supposed to do. It's just that social orders of society are outward structures. That's all they are. 
God deals with changing men on the inside, and as a result of this, then outward structures are changed. Paul, Jesus, the apostles never try to change outwardly society. Always their goal, and they never use their energy for anything else but proclaiming the gospel and building up God's people, because when you change people on the inside, then things change on the outside. And I think that too many people misunderstand what the church is. A lot of the theologians who are telling us that we have to change America, if you, if you really sat down with them, you would find that in their view, the church replaces Israel. And in their view, uh, Israel, since being a theocracy, becomes the church's a theocracy. And so if Israel had a, a, a theocracy, we have a theocracy and we have to change society. That's where they're all. That's not, we're not Israel. And America is not the church. God raises up America. He can set it aside as well. You see, God is interested in saving people, not making the world a better place to live. You need to think about this. Look, let's just take this in, in rational thinking. What if we could change every law in America and, and Christianize our nation? What if we could make every law based on the Bible? You know what? Things would go a lot smoother, wouldn't they? Yeah, they really would. And uh, it would probably be a lot more comfortable, and life would be a, a little bit better for all of us. But then people would die who didn't know Christ, and they'd go to hell. And all you've had is a more comfortable existence on earth, and then they die and go to hell anyway. That's not what God is interested about. Interested in? God's not out to give you uh, creature comforts in your life on earth. What He is out to do is to save men and women. God's heart beats for the salvation of the world, not external conformity to moral and biblical codes in America. I can't, I can't say that strongly enough. I'd like you to turn to one final passage: First Timothy chapter two. You want to do something for our politicians? You want them to change? Well, the Bible tells us what to do about this, and this ties in with what we're, what we're talking about. 1 Timothy, chapter 2. Paul writes 1 Timothy 2. First of all, then, verse 1, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that is, pray for government leaders, in order that they may lead, that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. What does he mean by this? Pray for government leaders to be saved so that we don't have to, so that the gospel, I should put it this way, so the gospel is smooth sailing through the empire. That's what he means in verse 4. He says, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He's not saying just pray for them, pray for them to be saved. You have a problem with government leaders? Don't pray for their ouster. Pray for them to be saved. If they're saved, then, then they would make favorable conditions for the spread of the gospel, and that's God's priority. So what can you and I do? What can you and I do about this? Well, First Peter 2 tells us. tells us to keep our behavior excellent among unbelievers in a pagan society. What is your responsibility? Obey the law. Show your friends, your neighbors, your relatives that you are different. That you don't commit crimes, that you're a model citizen, you don't complain, you don't criticize, you don't disobey secular government. You may, you may have a different opinion, but you're respectful, you honor them, you're different from your pagan associates, and you show that difference by obeying the law and submitting to the authority. And you know what? Some of them are going to see that you really, by submitting to the government, you really show a, submiss a submission to Jesus Christ, who is our ultimate authority. Have you been obedient to every law? 
I guess maybe a more pertinent question would be from this point on, are you going to be obedient? Do you see how important it is? Have you been a complainer, a slanderer of the present administration? Yeah, you'll disagree with them. That's all right, but don't slander. Don't, uh, don't be nasty. And by all means, don't disobey. Let's bow for prayer. Some of these things you need to think through. You need to think through what is the role of the church? What is your role in society? I think God very clearly has spoken to us today. We don't have to wonder what our role is in terms of the government, in terms of, of all the laws of the land. We're to obey. Someone may say, well, I don't feel convicted about it. It really doesn't matter if you feel convicted about it. The Bible says to do this. Feelings of conviction are not the issue here. The issue is obeying the clear word of God. I'm going to give you a few moments to think this through, to pray, to worship the Lord, to respond to him. And I urge also, as we're doing that, not only God's people, but if you don't know the Lord, you need to think about this. Have I submitted to the authority of Jesus Christ? At this point, forget the government. Who are you in submission to? Have you ever trusted Christ as your Savior? Have you ever committed yourself to him? Have you ever believed in the Lord Jesus that he died for your sins and with a heart submission said, I'll follow you? That's what you need to consider. Let's bow and be silent before him, and then I'll close in prayer. Lord, all around this room there may be people crying out to you for repentance, realizing now, maybe for the first time, not only what they're to do, but why they are to do what the scripture says about obedience and submission to the governments. Lord, I pray that you'll help us. Help us to understand our role. Help us to understand that we're not to moralize America, but we're to evangelize America and the world. And I really pray that, that uh, you'll help us to live like this, to be such a testimony to those around us who think nothing about obedience to the government. Sort of every man for himself, do what you can unless you get caught. And I pray that we would be different. I also pray for those, Lord, who may be struggling over salvation right now, may not know Christ, may be struggling over surrendering their lives to you. I know that, Lord, when you work in our lives and you bring us to a point of conviction about salvation, that you also... Give us the strength and the grace and the promptings to come to faith. So I pray that would take place, that the, uh, the root of faith would take place in lives even this morning. And so, Father, I pray that um, you'll help us to be mindful of attitudes, obedience, of honoring the king, of recognizing that governments don't exist apart from you, and that you will and you do bring about the good pleasures of your will. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, or if you need help in doing so, I hope you will call the number that I'll be giving in a little bit. Humorist Will Rogers picked on the government without mercy. He said that it was easy to be a humorist with the whole government working for you. Admittedly, the government gives us plenty to either laugh at or complain about. So the temptation to show disrespect is great, while the social penalties for doing so are non-existent. 
Yet, it is clear that God wants us to respect and obey the governments He gives us, whether or not they have earned that respect. Pastor Steve Kreloff will have more biblical truth about godly living in an ungodly society to share with us on the next Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These radio versions of his messages are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of listeners who are first faithful to their own churches. To listen again to today's class or to find out how you can keep these classes on the air, stop by our website, versebyverseradio.org. If you'd like to make sure you hear all of the programs, we offer a free podcasting service. You'll find the link for that in the column at the left side of our homepage. That's versebyverseradio, all one word, dot O-R-G. Today's lesson was the conclusion of a three-part message. To hear the entire message, call and order a CD or cassette. The phone number is 727-239-0306. That is also the number to call if you have questions about trusting Christ as your personal Savior. 727 